Achiever. <laughs> Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Master Creator, our hearts are in awe of how you bless us and keep us each and every day. The abundance of your blessings is without equal. And Father, we acknowledge we're not worthy. Thank you for this country. And as we go into this service, I lift Brother Steve to you. Our master, our pastor, and our shepherd. Give him the words. Bless his preparation. And Father, for each of us, help us get out of our own way. Clear our hearts with you this morning. And if anyone's here that hasn't had a relationship with you, may they come forward today. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. At his great name, Jesus. What a beautiful testimony of song uh, we got to sing. Well, I pray that you were able to participate this week. Whether it was on the second floor of D building or it was in your home. A dedicated time of prayer. It wasn't so much about how many would pray, but that we did. And that we did together. That we sought the Lord's face, his direction, and our preparation. Our preparation for this morning, our preparation for the future will come through prayer. So often, as I mentioned last week, I underestimated the power of prayer. Not by the words that I utter, by what God does in me when I submit myself to him. And that's available to us all through Jesus Christ. He has invited us to be there. We don't have to wait for the church to call a prayer meeting. We enter into the gates of his throne room through Jesus Christ. And for that, I am grateful. Trent Ham is a columnist. He said this, The things you did yesterday have brought you to the life you have today. If you want something different, you have to do something different today to create a different life tomorrow. There's no other way to get there. Now, Mr. Ham uses that instruction for uh, life coaching and to achieve life goals. But there is a spiritual application here that I pray that we hear this morning. To follow Jesus, you must align your ways to his. Becoming a great church, we've looked over the last weeks, becoming a great church has little to do with what you and I do together, but more to do with what God accomplishes us, accomplishes through us as we surrender to Him, as we follow Him. You think about it this way. If we're in rebellion against God and we refuse to obey God, how can we possibly grow in our relationship with Him? 
So that translates to every area of our life. No matter of your age this morning, if you're not following Jesus, you're not following Jesus. Becoming a great church is what God does when we get out of the way. So over the last weeks, we share a common confession that Jesus is Lord. We love God fully and our neighbors as ourselves. We make disciples of all nations. We worship together. We fellowship together. And understanding that fellowship is not just gathering for food. That worship together and the fellowship is when we have a relationship with God. And that fellowship with God allows us to fellowship with each other genuinely. We pray together is what we learned last week. Being saved by Jesus is more than receiving the gift of salvation and then simply enduring this life until we're entering eternity. We learn to live like Jesus in our remaining days. And for you to live like Jesus, for me to live like Jesus, we have to make adjustments in our lives to what he teaches. I spent many years attending church and gaining knowledge of scripture without the application in my life. So even though I attended church faithfully, I became no more like Jesus because I did not obey him. I simply lived the life I wanted to live with a lot of knowledge about the Bible. We must adjust adjust our lives to reflect his ways and trust the Holy Spirit to enable us to do what God says. Because of our nature, when we look at God's word, it'd be real easy for us to create a list of things that we should do to be more like Jesus. And we have our little check boxes that we would go through in the morning. See, I need to do this to be more like Jesus and this and this and this. And what we've done is we've put the emphasis on us and what we can accomplish and what we can achieve. And we cannot. We will fail. But when we recognize that God has given us his spirit with his equipping and his enabling, that when we submit to the teaching of God, that the Holy Spirit will equip us to obey God if we surrender. See, now it's God doing his work in us rather than us trying to do work for God. As we study his word, we recognize his ways, whether it's a devotion that you do in the mornings or listening to someone on on the radio or attending worship services or Sunday school. Every time you open up God's word, there's a potential encounter with a living God if you listen for him and respond to him. But every time we open up God's word, we should ask, do I follow Jesus in that area? The the very thing that he's teaching me, am I following him there? And if not, what then? Do I just resign myself to, well, I just can't? I just, I don't have the time? 
Or do I recognize that that's God calling me closer to him? That I need to make an adjustment in my life by his power to be more like him. Indeed, when we look at ourselves in light of Scripture, we will be overwhelmed by His perfection and His holiness. And we look in the mirror and we see our failure time and time again, our rejection of God, knowing that that His way is the best and yet still choosing our way. And we can start making excuses of why we're not obeying. The truth is, if we're not following Jesus... We are following the world. And if we are following the world, we are not becoming more like him. And we certainly cannot become a greater church. So we each have a responsibility as we look to God's word. Every time we see God's word, every time we hear God's word, every time we study God's word, we must make a choice. Am I going to continue my way or am I going to follow Jesus? Well, this morning is an opportunity as well. We're going to look at God's word together and we'll each make a decision. I will continue to do my life my way or I will follow Jesus and experience him. My prayer is that we follow Jesus. That already we're resigning ourselves. God, whatever you teach me today, whatever you show me in your word, the answer is yes. And as his children, I pray that we would do that. That we're mindful right now that, God, whatever you're teaching me, I trust that it is the best way. And I know that you will empower me to do it. And I say yes. And with that this morning, we're going to see that a great church shares together. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew is in the New Testament. It's the first book of the New Testament. If you turn there, you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So we're in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. If you were to read through this chapter, you'd see that Jesus made his way back to his hometown and he's going through villages and cities and he is healing the blind, he's casting out demons, he's doing a mighty work among the people, and they're seeing this happen. They're seeing the power of God through Jesus Christ. Yet some of them didn't recognize that. Some of them thought he was uh, quite the magician. Some thought he was just uh, an instrument of Satan. But we're going to see something different here in verses 35 through 38. Matthew 9, 35 38. And Jesus went out through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Number one in your outline, we see that the shepherd 
came to us. The shepherd came to us. I love the fact that when we begin these verses, that we see that Jesus went through all the cities and all the villages. Jesus came for all people. We studied back a few weeks ago at the coming of Jesus Christ, the announcement of his birth, that this was good news for all people, that a Savior has been born for all people. And here we see Jesus in his ministry coming for all people. He did not discriminate against those in the area, whether or not they were his enemies because of where they came from, their skin color, their religious preferences, or their location. But Jesus loved them where they were. He was intentionally reaching everyone. The scripture says here that he was teaching and he was proclaiming and he was healing. I just want to point out some things in this. When teaching means to provide instruction with authority. Providing instruction with authority. So I could teach you how to ride a bike, a bicycle, Because I have some experience and expertise in riding a bicycle. I could not teach you aerospace engineering. Because I have no knowledge, experience, or understanding. Because of what Jesus was doing and where he was, he was going to the synagogues to teach. He was speaking with authority. We were told in Matthew 7, 29, says that he taught as one who had authority. Something was different about Jesus. And every, every, all the religious leaders were skeptical of him. But when the people heard him teach, they said something's different. He teaches with authority in these truths. Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That means he was publicly announcing divine principles. And the motive of that was to persuade or to urge or to call his listeners to make a a change. To come to him. See, that's different from teaching. So while he was still teaching with authority, he was urging them to comply. Or he was providing a warning if they did not comply. I could teach you about the love of Jesus. I could point you to some, some verses. I could tell you about John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I could teach you the principles of love. But if I were to proclaim that Jesus loves you, I could, I could tell you the warning of not loving him. I could tell you of the warning of not surrendering to his lordship. The consequences that would follow. And I would invite you to experience his love. That's what it is to proclaim. It's urging. It's having the desire for someone else for better. Jesus was also healing every disease and affliction. Other than the obvious, healing every disease and affliction. That word for healing also means to serve. And the beauty that I saw in that one verse... That if you were near Jesus in this time, you could expect 
him to minister to your mind through his instruction, your spirit through his proclamation, and to your body through his service. He was everything. He, he is the answer to all. I just want to, to give you a side note here that no matter what you're going through today, and I don't know, but God does. He knows the details of all of our lives. But I, I would simply say this, no matter what you're going through, you should be with Jesus. See, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot save yourself. You cannot get up enough gumption to get through yourself. You need a Savior. He is the one who has come for you. He is the answer. He is the remedy. He is the peace that passes all understanding, no matter the circumstance in your life. John 14, 12 Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. See, Jesus returned to heaven after his resurrection, but he multiplies his ministry here on earth through those who would follow him. He didn't take his ministry away. He empowered his followers to continue the ministry, doing greater works than he could possibly do by himself. We have a great responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ. The second thing I see in this passage, number two in your outline, the shepherd had compassion for us. The the shepherd had compassion for us. It said when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He did not see enemies. He did not look at the crowds and say, look what a bunch of sinners. What a waste of life. There's no chance for them. He did not look at them this way. He looked at them as prisoners. He looked at the people as those who were being deceived and those who could not escape their current circumstances. He had compassion for them. Now today, when you and I see someone in a difficult situation, we might feel sorry for them. And deep down, though we wouldn't express this out loud, we might be thankful that we're not in a similar situation. That's called sympathy having sympathy for someone else. And often what we do in those cases is we'll say, I am so sorry. I'll pray for you. And then we back away from the situation. That's called sympathy. Empathy is different. Empathy is when you see someone in a circumstance that is difficult and you do feel sorry for them. But you share the burden, you feel the pain, and it it compels you to do something about it. That's where we have a hand up. Instead of saying, the Good Samaritan, not, not just walking by and avoiding the situation, but giving a hand where needed to help someone through the situation, to walk through with them, to be that helper. So compassion 
when Jesus had compassion on the people, it's having empathy. He understood the burden. He felt the burden, but he also sought to relieve that burden. That's what it means to have compassion. I want to do something about it. It's a feeling and an action. And even though some would reject his teaching, even though some would abandon him, even though some would would vote to crucify him, even though some did not believe that he was the Messiah, Jesus loved them where they were, as prisoners, as deceived, as lost. His heart went out to them because they were harassed and helpless. Those two words in Greek mean a little more than what we could establish on our own. Harassed means to be troubled. To be troubled in spirit, but also to be in trouble presently and for eternity because of your sin against God. If you're without Jesus today, you're harassed today. Not because the world is coming in on you, but because of the consequences of your nature. The word helpless provides a picture of being thrown down to the ground with force. It's to be miserable. It's to have no way out, no hope for a change. So when Jesus looked out at the people there, those without knowledge of him, those without his peace, those without a relationship with God, that's what he saw. He was broken for them. Because he was the answer if they would only trust him. Jesus saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. Given that circumstance, he could be the peace in their trouble. He could be their comfort in their grief. He could be their guide in their lostness. He could be their salvation if they would trust him. And he stood before them and he stands before you today in his word. Saying, I know you. I know your pain. I know your burden. And I want to help you. I want to relieve your burden if you will come to me. If you will trust me. If you will know me as your savior. Let me help you. That's the message of Jesus to us today. Today, many really want the salvation of Jesus. They want the help of Jesus. They, they uh, are very close to Jesus when the times are difficult. They want Jesus to help them feel better. They want Jesus to help get them out of the mess they've created. They want Jesus to heal their body, but they also want to live how they please. They don't want to follow Jesus. They just want the benefits of Jesus. And and let me make a bold statement right now. If that is the description of your relationship with Jesus, listen, you do not have what you think you have. Jesus looks on you with compassion today. He is broken for you today because the the relationship that you have created with him is not real. You're being deceived. 
Followers of Jesus will follow Jesus. We will abandon the ways of this world to be more like Him. We will not remain unchanged when we've been saved by the Savior of the world. When God enters into your life, you will be changed. You can't help but be changed. Yes, it's little at a time. And it's over your lifetime, but you will be changed. Look in the mirror today, and if you see the same person that you were before... Ask yourself, have I truly surrendered my life to Jesus and am I a follower of his? He will make the change. He will not make you trust him. Did I just lose that? No. Okay. He will not make you trust him for salvation. This is your choice. But I will say this, he is urging you today. To come. To come to him as the Savior. Number three in your outline, the shepherd commanded us. The shepherd commanded us. So at the last part of this passage, Jesus proclaimed a truth that still prevails today. He said, there's a great harvest of those who are harassed and helpless And you and I can witness this. We know the truth. If you go to school, you go to work, you go to the game, you drive down the highway, you can see a world that is lost. You look at the internet, you watch the news, you see a newspaper, you can see a world that is lost, that is helpless and harassed without Jesus. There is a great harvest of people who need Jesus today, and they're all around us. Some are in this room with us today but certainly in our community and beyond. I guess the the dagger that comes with this is that when Jesus said that, he said, but few people are doing anything about it. There's not very many laborers out there making a difference. There's not many joining me on my mission going to those who are harassed and helpless. Therefore, they don't know the answer. Let me describe a picture for you this morning. God has ensured over the centuries that the seeds of the gospel have been planted. Those seeds have been watered and there are souls ready for harvest today. God invited us to join him in that harvest, join him in this work. He told us that that harvest is ready. We look around and we see that the harvest is ready. He gave us what we needed to harvest. And then he commanded us to harvest. Go, make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Go and do. Yet we sit inside God's house talking about the goodness of God and we sing about the goodness of God and we're so thankful for the gift of salvation that we have received, that we are secure for eternity through Jesus Christ. We discuss the most effective means for harvesting. We talk about those times when we had harvests and yet we do nothing about the harvest that's around us. 
What happens to a harvest that's not harvested? It dies. A harvest that is not harvested, that's ready to be used for the purpose for which it was created. A harvest that is not harvested dies. And they don't experience the Lord's salvation. And we have the message. And we know God's word. We've experienced it for ourselves. We have been harvested. Someone was faithful to us to share the gospel with us. That we might hear that there is a way out, that we can be redeemed, that we can be reconciled, that we can be snatched from the depths of hell and ushered into an eternal heaven. We've heard that and we've responded to it and we have experienced the salvation of Jesus today. And yet we sit inside the walls of God's house and we don't tell others. And they die. Statistically, the the hour that we spend in here in the sanctuary, 9,000 people have died in the world. Many go into an eternal hell. God so loved the people of this world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. That's the harvest. And that's the message for the harvest. But they can't believe if they do not hear. We have the message. God desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 Jesus said here, There is a harvest and it's great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, listen, pray earnestly. That literally means to beg. Can you hear the urgency of Jesus as he looks at the harvest around him and the few laborers and he's saying, pray earnestly for this. Do we live with the same urgency for his mission to save the lost? If you have a heart of Jesus, you will have compassion For those around you. If you have experienced the truth of God. You you can teach that truth to others. If you have experienced salvation. You can proclaim the good news. And urge those around you. To surrender their lives to Jesus. As Lord and Savior. So what did Jesus tell the disciples to do? Beg the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest. Listen. He's not telling his disciples or us to pray to God, listen, to send someone else. This is a message for his children. So let me rephrase the prayer. Begging God to change my heart toward those who are harassed and helpless, who are going to an eternal hell. Change my heart, oh God, to reflect yours. 
Doesn't matter if I'm comfortable. Doesn't matter if I have the gift of talking. Doesn't matter if I'm embarrassed. The gospel message saves lives if they hear it. And if it's, if it's just contained in this room, what are we doing but waiting to go to eternal life while others go to an eternal hell? Lord, give me a heart of compassion. Give me eyes to see with your eyes. Give me the boldness to share what you've given me. These are the prayers of the people of God. Change me, change my attitude, change my priorities where my mission is your mission. I want to accomplish what you desire in this world. How can we become a great church if we do not obey the call of God upon his people? We can't. We can reflect back to the days that that were, the great harvesting that we've had before. But isn't there a greater day today? Isn't there a greater future tomorrow if we simply obey what God has called us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us? That we are to share the gospel with a lost and dying world so that they do not go to an eternal hell. At least they have a choice. Choose Jesus. John twenty twenty one. If you're asking... Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. So the excuses that we've had before of it's for someone else or it's for the staff or it's for another church in that area or it's someone that's in that country. The excuses that we've had before is now erased because God said, just as I have been sent, I am sending you to do the very same thing, to be my ministers in this world. And we must go and we must share because that is the DNA that has been implanted in us when we are born again. If we do not have the desire to reach the lost, we must ask, do I have the DNA? Have I been born again that I am compelled to follow him? This past week, we had a 40 hours of prayer emphasis just where we pray in unity to what God would speak to us. And there was in in those six rooms, one of the rooms was a listening room. And if you thumbed through what people heard God saying, you would see again and again and again and again to witness, to be bold, to share the gospel again and again. This is what God is saying to his people at individual times over that 40-hour period. What do you think the message is here? It's to do what he said to do. Rely on him to get it done. But you must submit yourself. This week we have a different emphasis, and it's right along with what God's word is for us today. It's called gospel to every home. This is a nationwide emphasis. There were some some business people who got together some time ago, and they committed to fund a way for the gospel to get in every home. So they purchased the Jesus film on DVD in multiple languages. They bought witnessing tracts and they bought plastic bags that you hang on doorknobs. And they just sent them out into all the United States of America. 
Our association is one that received these boxes and all the churches of our association came together and they had this huge map up on the wall and it was was divided up into zones and they said, here's all the stuff, here's all the people, how do we get this stuff to these people? And so we volunteered ourselves. First Baptist Church of Boaz has three zones near our campus that we're responsible for. So let me just say it this way. If it doesn't get done by us, it does not get done because we have taken that map and we've taken the material. 1,250 households or apartments near us. The children and the youth have already sacrificed their time to pack every bag And they're right out here in the foyer. Each bag has a a DVD. Each bag has a witnessing track and information concerning our church and the revival coming up next week. This week, they need to get out. How is that possible? Well, if we wanted to just be real simple, and if we could do this, Um, logistically, we could say, if everyone would take four bags with you today, it'll be done. But that would be a mess. So what we've done is we have boxes out here with a map in each of the boxes. Some of them have 15, some of them have 80, and then we have boxes everywhere in between. But here's my challenge to you. After this is over after we dismiss that you go out there you make a commitment whether it's you and the people you enlist whether it's your family says we can take that or your sunday school in a little bit that you get together and say what are we going to do about that and you sign for your box because then you're responsible for those to be hung every occupied house or apartment would receive that listen this is not knock 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 here's a bag for you All that they're asking of us is that we hang the bag on the doorknob or the mailbox and we can do so legally. It doesn't take time. Not as much as we think. And it can be done. And I pray that it will be done this week. Let me give you a warning. Do not wait to see what's left over to make your decision. Because it will not get done. Do not assume someone else is going to do it because it will not get done. But even right now, make a commitment. I will take the first step for my Sunday school class. I will take the first step for my family. I'll take the first step for my friends. And I will commit to this box that the gospel will go out from here. This does not replace our responsibility to continue sharing the good news with the people around us at work or at school or wherever we shop or wherever we go. This is one tool. It's one step that gets the gospel into every home. And I pray that you would join me in that. This morning, as we close... We're going to sing a song. And during that song, I want to invite you to respond 
to God. I don't know what he's speaking to you, but I know that there's at least three different ways you can respond this, this morning. First, you can respond by desiring and calling out for salvation. Second, it might be responding to it's time to commit myself to a local body of believers and God is leading me here. Third, it might be I need to make an adjustment in my life to follow Jesus. And right now I want to make that commitment. And I want to invite you when we begin that you come down. You can use the altar to submit yourself before God, to lay down whatever it is that's holding you back to come and talk to me about salvation or or to Jonathan, we would be happy to, to talk with you and pray with you about that decision. We want to celebrate with what God's doing here. But we need to know that it's being done. So I want you to come today. If you are unfamiliar with the gospel, you've gotten hints of it throughout this morning, that God did send his son Jesus to live a perfect life in this messed up world. He was tempted just as you are tempted, but he did not sin. And because he was a sinless son of God, holy in every respect, he was received as the perfect sacrifice, God's lamb. And through his death on the cross, he paid the penalty for sin. He was buried in a tomb and three days later he was resurrected to life, never to die again. He has salvation. He has eternal life and it is a gift that's given to those who come to him. He extends the invitation to you. But if you have not come to him, if you have not received what he's offering you, you do not have it. Today might be the day for you. Will you come? Will you come this morning if he's calling you to this body of believers? Will you come this morning if God is working on you to make an adjustment in your life to be more like him? Let's respond now to God. This is what worship is. Not listening, but responding to what he's doing. I want to lead us in prayer And Ryan and Micah are going to lead us in a song. And this is where you'll be invited to come in response to Jesus Christ and his message to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We submit ourselves before you. We hear what you're teaching. We hear your proclamation through your word. And Lord, we submit ourselves to those things right now. Lord, for those that you're working on, for the hearts that you're calling, Lord, I pray that they not only hear, but they respond to you, that today is the day of salvation. Lord, change us. We can't change ourselves. There's not enough good in us to to clean ourselves up. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you. Change us. Give us your eyes. Give us your heart. Give us your compassion for the people around us. May we be great because of what you're doing in us. Now may we submit to you that you would have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all will stand. Let's sing. Come now. Don't wait.